says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another installment of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And joining me for a not-so-instant reaction review podcast, rather a morning-after review podcast, given some of the logistical issues we had with this one, is my good mate, 60s. Unfortunately, Big Fell, we're not starting the season with a win, rather a 16-12 to loss to the Melbourne Storm. But how you've pulled up after a pretty frenetic start to 2023? Yes, mate, we did our pre-game podcast last night rather than a post-game. So we're recording this instant reaction the morning after. You had a bit of trouble getting out of the car park <laughs> at Parramatta last night. To put so it lightly, it was, yes. So it was approaching, uh, well, what was it, after 11 o'clock or something last it night was, when you got home? Something. Yeah, about 20 past 11 when I got through, through the doors and had to try and reset up all my audio equipment. Yeah, so uh, although I, I'm I'm still going to say that this is a, a reasonably instant reaction in that neither of us have gone and looked at the media. Uh, we haven't listened to post-match. Mm. Uh, well, I know I haven't listened no. to post-match presser. Um, I still feel like it's pretty raw for me. I, uh, I have high levels of disappointment after the game, and we'll talk about why. And... Um, yeah, I just don't feel good after that. Like normally, if you had a match against the Storm, especially in the first round, and it went to extra time, you'd be saying to yourself, you know what, that was a damn good effort. And and there are aspects of this game that were a damn good effort, but you hate it. You hate it when you drop a game that shouldn't have been dropped, especially when it's at home especially when the team hasn't been out of the top eight for the last four years. And I don't know, I just had this sour taste after last night. I'm, I'm uncomfortable about aspects of that loss. And, and I'll talk about more of it as, mm-hmm. we, as we move on through this, mate. Let's look at the game by the numbers first before we start breaking down where it all went wrong for the Parramatta Eels. In that 16-12 loss, it was three tries for the Melbourne Storm. Nick Meany, young Tom Appiah and Harry Grant scoring for the visitors. Meany, crucially, two from two from the kicking tee. For the Parramatta Eels, Will Penasini opened the scoring with Junior Barlow scoring in the 58th minute to round it out. Mitch Moses, one from two for the try conversions. He did add a penalty goal, but obviously that missed conversion being quite critical ahead of Golden Point. Uh, he did miss a one-point field goal attempt himself and also a two-point field goal attempt on the stroke at halftime. That was a hell of a kick, though. Just pushed it to the right from 50-plus metres out. The Storm missing two field goals of their own, uh, which took the game to Golden Point, where Harry Grant won it in the 83rd minute. Looking at the possession splits here, 60s, Parramatta with the edge ahead of Melbourne, 53 to 47%. Time possession slightly in their favour, two plus, just under plus two minutes to the blue and gold, 32.09 to 29.18 for Melbourne. Both teams completing at a pretty reasonable click here. 80% for Parramatta, 36 of 45, 79% for the Storm, 38 of 48. Uh, attacking stats are split between the two teams. Eels, more runs, but the Storm, more run meters. Post-contact meters favoring the Eels. Line breaks favoring the Storm. Tackle bus favoring the Eels. Uh, the big one here, though, and this is not a surprise after being live at the game and, and seeing the flow 
of the contest here. Parramatta, 3.86 second average play the ball speed. The Melbourne Storm, 2.98, nearly a full second ahead of the Parramatta Eels there. And we're used to the Eels being at a disadvantage in this stat. Uh, but, geez, this one was really apparent in the contest last night. Uh, Parramatta have more offloads uh, with better kick diffusal and better kick meters. Uh, both teams, defensively not their best, uh, 85.5% uh, for both the Storm and the Eels. Parramatta just ahead on the, the point sort of fractional stuff there. But, yeah, both coaches will not be happy defensively, I think, with the uh, effective tackle rate. Uh, 12 errors Parramatta, 11 to the Storm, six penalties conceded apiece, which is really, when you think back on it, kind of didn't really feel like it played that way, but uh, two ruck infringements and inside the 10 metres apiece, or sorry, one each of those for a total of two, six again calls for both teams. Yeah, we will get to have a bit of a chat about the refereeing partway through this, but I'm not blaming, I'm not in any way blaming the referee for the loss but we both have a bit of a bone to pick about the performance of Ashley Klein, as we generally do, and it has to do <laughs> quite a bit with that ruck speed. Inconsistency um, in the ruck. Play the ball it, speed. it is oh, yeah, so yeah, frustrating, was, but... 60s, let's leave, let's, let's leave the, that. The reality is... Because there's a lot to yeah, talk about. The, the reality to. is, Klein or no Klein, Parramatta Eels had plenty of opportunities to win this game, and through a combination of... Uh, over eagerness to overplay their hand, and then you don't you don't like the point fingers individually, but geez, he is an outstanding young player. But Dill Brown had a absolute bludger of a game, didn't he? The poor young man there, mate. It's well documented our opinion of Dylan Brown, and has been for a very very long time. We raved about his prospects when he was coming through junior reps, when he hit first grade. Again, we're almost heralding the new Messiah as it as it was when Dylan Brown's hit first grade, and last year was an absolute gem of a season for Dylan. Yesterday was, you know, I'm looking at his stats. Don't read as bad as what yeah. his game was. Yeah, I mean, over 100 meters running on the ground. Uh, got a couple of tackle breaks to add to that. I said a couple of five tackle busts to add to that. Uh, and then defensively, what they credit him with, uh, he got through 21 tackles, two missed, two ineffective, which is pretty reasonable for a dumb, uh, for any sort of half, not dummy half, sorry. Uh, but Dill obviously has high standards when it comes to defense, so he wouldn't be happy being at an 84% effective tackle rate. But yeah, first touch, I believe it was in the game, he dropped it cold going down the left edge. Then he tried to force a flick pass. And then, unfortunately, had the critical error late in the golden point period where he sort of stuck his hands out in the Mitchell Moses pass from some broken play and just then shut shut down. Like, he didn't, didn't try and catch the ball. I don't know what happened there. Uh, and, yeah, I know, we, we know Dill has incredibly high standards for himself and he's going to be frustrated coming out of this one. But, like I said, you don't like the point fingers, but if you had to look at where it went went wrong with one player just functionally deal was nowhere near his best. It just didn't feel like he was in this game the way we're used to him sort of taking the ball, tucking under his arm and, and challenging the opposition and then building from that. Yeah, it was... I can't believe he's only credited for three errors. I mean, you you rattled off three there and that doesn't include the forward pass yes. to Sivo um, uh, for the disallowed try. But, I don't know, it, it 
without being able to pull out other examples, it just felt like it was an error-riddled game from him. Maybe it was because those errors were fairly critical. Yeah, either in key attacking sets or the error that led to, I believe it was the error that led to the game-winning try. Because uh, we turned it over just about on our side of halfway, which allowed the storm to march into our red zone and Harry Grant to dive over. Well, not really dive over. It was actually a pretty impressive run, to be honest. But yeah, like that. That's if you're looking at one player, that's where you start. But from a team perspective, we butchered plenty of chances early on and late on. Uh, we, we were very aggressive going uh, to the sideline with Lumi Lumi. I think he probably could have gone back inside or burrowed over with that effort that Will Pennington put to give him that one-on-one. Unfortunately, he went to the outside and got bundled in the touch. On the flip side, late in the game, Mike Siva on the other flank from a scrum win. Five minutes to go. We go to the left edge, bit of space, and instead of planting that left foot and coming back in field, looks to kick ahead, ball's too heavy. We turn it over, 20-minute restart on the first tackle. Just two, like two single opportunities there we're looking at. And it was more than that, but just the crux of where we were at, wasn't it? It was just some of our attacking shapes were fantastic. We really, we really asked questions of Melbourne Storm, even if we weren't 100% fooled with them. You can see that we're going to challenge good defences, but sometimes you can't always pull the trigger. And unfortunately, we just didn't know when and when not to in round one. Yeah, let's just call it for what it is. There was some moments that were dumb football uh, in amongst... I'd look, I thought the forwards were outstanding last night. Oh, yeah, there, there are absolutely positives in this game. We're going to get to them. Uh, I think, like I said, in the forward pack, there is a whole raft of guys you can sort of point to and give a round of applause because guys that are plugging in or, you know, the the big sort of uh, powerhouses that we expect great performances from, they all delivered yesterday. And that's probably what makes it so frustrating for them is that there was a platform there. You know, it, it yes. wasn't like Melbourne were just absolutely rowing us in the middle and... It was a one-sided contest in the ruck. We, we were at, even with the slow ruck, even with all the issues that we're going to talk about with the officiating when it came to uh, giving the Storm just a bit of an advantage defensively in that regard, we still managed to get the numbers there to show that we were ready to build a lead. Yeah. Junior, Reg, mm-hmm. there, oh, you know, there will be... Uh, that. That was one of the best games that you would see Reg play, and it was a major credit to him. Yeah, last night, mm-hmm. a major credit to him. Um, Junior, he was a threat with every carry. I thought that um, uh, Jermaine Hopgood had um, a very, very solid start for us. He had 172 run meters, and you know we were, and a lot of people are talking and thinking about his ball play, but he. He played a really great running game last yeah. night. I thought in the first half that uh, Matt Dury had a, a, a great game, especially some of his uh, his key tackles. And I know he's credited there with three missed tackles, but uh, there, there was some clutch tackles that he made there last night. I, I just thought he was really physical there. And I, th- I think the um, one of the unsung performers was Bryce Cartwright. I thought he had a really good game on the other edge. Well, 20 um, carries, 153 metres. I think that there was like an error or two credit to him when we went with some pretty uh, optimistic left-side attacking raids at times, but there was no silly offloads, and he got through 
was being credited with 20 tackles, three missed, one ineffective. No, that was Jermaine Hawkwood there. Bryce Cartwright, 28 tackles, one missed, three ineffective. So that that is plenty fine defensive stats. And we talked about it in the pregame and the preview podcast 60s. Real opportunity for uh, for Bryce to deputize Sean Lane here, and he did nothing wrong really in this game. So quite happy for what I saw from the big fella there. Well, look, I not only am I disappointed with a, a couple of uh, dumb moments with the football, but I thought that that game was lost within our that our spine didn't match yeah. their spine. Yep, I think that's fair. I think you saw moments of class from Mitch Moses and Josh Hodgson, uh, but obviously we respect about where it went wrong for Dill. Uh, but likewise, we're just going to get Guffo involved in the game the way we like to. He was pretty much limited to being the, the setting up the fifth tackle kick through portion of this game, taking that last set run in the set. And, you know, that's you're always going to struggle if you can't get your, one of your spy members involved. Uh, and, yeah, it's just looking at this game from the lens of the forwards, it is frustrating because... They were playing at a disadvantage in this game. Like the the ruck was completely one sided in terms of the officiating, uh, with what Melbourne and and what especially, and I mean credit to the guy because he was playing for broken finger. But Cameron Munster was able to get away with slowing the ball down consistently. Oh, but I don't know how it came across for people who were watching on television, but for those of us at the ground, it was incredibly frustrating how the ruck was officiated because, as you said there. The slowing up tactics that the Storm employed and that they were allowed to get away with time after time after time. And I think they even got um, a couple of penalties where it seemed like they were stepping off the mark. Yes. Trying to get themselves an advantage and were allowed to do so. I, I, I'd have to, I mean, that was the gut feel when it, as, as it was happening. But definitely, definitely there was a slowing down of the play the ball speed. So for the forwards to get the role on that they did, and although he's not credited with uh, virtually anything in the way of run meters, it was the way Josh Hodgson was able to get them on the, on the front foot with each of those carries that they made, that they were, they were getting past the advantage line with that. Now where, where, what Melbourne were doing, really well apart from slowing up the play the ball speed was I although there was those missed tackles, I thought their scramble defense. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. 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 And because there was we were generating missed tackles, but we weren't generating the line breaks off the missed tackles. And when if a if a tackle was missed, there just seemed to be someone else there throwing themselves at the Parramatta player to prevent them from getting completely through the line. And we saw that, you know, the number of times an arm just got thrown out just to be able to stop the player. And uh, where it was most frustrating, I found, was I thought that we mentioned Gutho just then. I thought that he had a very busy game, but it seemed like he was missing about half a metre of pace to be able to take advantage of getting an offload or just being there to take the pass around the ruck and the number of times like he's credited there with five tackle breaks, the number of times he was threatening to get away from a defender or pull out of the tackle. I I, I was losing track of how often it was. And it, as I said, it, it seemed like he was maybe 
half a meter of pace mm. short of what he needed to that, be. That's but, probably a better way of describing to what I said. Like he was there and thereabouts, but like you said, just you know a fraction of a second too late, or you know just too not, not like not slow, slow, but just that fraction off from making converting a half chance into a chance. Yeah, and and I'm not so sure whether I should be throwing the comment from that seeming to be half a metre short of where he should be at him or whether it was the Melbourne scramble that just managed to get hold of him because it seemed to happen so often that, you know, an arm would go out and just grab him by the jersey or the collar or just somehow get hold of him when in past seasons there were they were the times where you might see Gutho kick clear or, or make a half break and then look for someone in support. Um We've just talked. So, I mean, that was that was a critical part of nullifying Gutho's effect in, in the spine. Um, I, I really felt that our two highest paid players in Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown just, yeah. I mean, we talked about how, that it was a bad game for Dylan. There's no other way around it. But it was also a bit uninspiring from Mitch. I don't think that's unfair. He's, he's had 28 run metres. And I know that, you know, it's not always the case that the the running game's going to be there from a player, but we, we probably needed to see more from Mitch. I'm not sure how much of the how much of the loss you can attribute to him, but we needed to see more from our two halves. And you know what? If, if Dylan just had have been just a smidgen better, maybe we get it. Like I'm still stunned him throwing his arm out, his hand out at that ball towards the end. That mm. you know that was just yeah. I, I was it? It almost was like he finished the game in the way that he started it. Yeah, I mean. That is really how it played out, wasn't it? Started the game with the early error, dropped cold, and the late game just—I don't know—just it's like he stuck his hand out and then and then just shut down, and just you know, yeah. uh, it's really—it's one of those moments where you can't really fathom as a fan because you're not really sure if he, he you know had like a misstep or put his hand out then realized and, and couldn't bring it in, but the pass didn't look like it was so wayward that he needed to dive to get it or something like that, but. That's, I yeah, suppose that's football. Just, but. You know, it was a case of he just looked awkward last yeah, night. It was almost it. like uh, he's a very natural footballer and it was almost like football was very unnatural for him last yeah, night. exactly. But And yeah. Yeah, and it was it was almost like that early error got in his head and it just was like there were moments that were turning to mud and you and I were talking at halftime and, is said we'd want to see him just tuck the ball under his arm and yeah. run. Even that's probably applicable to Mitch here too. Just, you know, settle yourselves and get yourselves involved by taking on the defensive line and then let the rest of the game come to you. And, and unfortunately for both of them, but especially Dil, uh, got a bit flustered, got away from where their, their strengths lie. And, you know, Melbourne aren't a team you can give that many opportunities to, as we saw with the Harry Grant try. Yeah. But... It's- if I was to equate this game just very quickly to last year, it, the aspects of it felt like the Sharks game. I was, I, I was going to say as well, geez, it feels like round two versus Cronulla last year. 
yeah. And our problem is we play Cronulla yeah, well. this week. It, this is the opening five rounds. I don't know if there's any other team that's got a draw like this for the opening five rounds. Yeah, a bit of a... That's, <sighs> that's where I felt so... I, I, it just felt like a bad, bad loss coming out of last night because if you can get any season when you can get two points against the Storm, no matter what... Um, uh, what storm team it is? I'm talking about who might be missing or what have you. Is a good season, and I was talking earlier in the our crystal ball post that I thought the the storm were going to be on the slide, but if they can get that effort out of them every week on Craig Bellamy, they've got those the likes of Harry Grant and Munster and Hughes that will do go a long way towards guiding the effort plays, whether they can, I mean, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a great version of Parramatta last night. And there are players that have to come back into both teams. Um, you said that you'd, you'd had a bit of feedback from, um, neutrals and what have you, that it was regarded as a, a quite a decent game. Yeah, people were quite happy for it with the season launch. And, you know, 16-12 golden point is great for TV, I suppose. But, yeah, just being the ground, God, it was such a frustrating game on, on the two fronts from Parramatta's own, not inadequacies, but inefficiency. Uh, and, you know, just the, like we said, being over-eager in certain aspects and being uh, not clinical in others. And then on the other front where Ashley Quine had such a huge impact on this game, like, my goodness, the the ruck was so frustrating to watch as a uh, a biased Parramatta fan here. Yeah, oh, that word frustrating very much comes into how I felt about the game and, uh, and it went from frustrating to very uncomfortable. I was just sitting there, not enjoy. I did not enjoy any aspect of that last 20 minutes of the game. It... It felt like we were working towards a costly error. After when it got yeah. back to that, lo and behold, yep. I just thought we're we're going to have a costly error, and then we had you know, the plays like Sevo's on the first tackle off the off the scrum, and I'm thinking, oh, is this the one? And then Melbourne thankfully gave it back to us not long after that, and then we wasted another opportunity after that, and it was. I just thought it is. This is not what we needed to see from the team in the opening round. Watching the highlight moments, well, the highlight moments at, at the game was reflective of what I saw at training. the The try from Paulo uh, was something that I had seen them work towards and execute a number of times at training. Uh, there was a couple of other good moments with the the shapes that we were running and I thought, yes, um, we're a little bit clunky as you talked about, but it was more those those errors of, of just pushing something that wasn't quite there that it almost, this is what it almost felt like. When you had something like that if I was watching moments like that at training, I wouldn't think twice about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
Loomy Loomy getting pushed, you know, going for the big dive into the corner when he, he probably should have come in field. Or Sebo when the ball comes to him, grubbing the ball infield. They happen on the training track. You don't even think twice about it because they're just working towards getting some of these plays happening. Um, and maybe they're a scenario where um, they're looking to see how a, a particular shape works and it's not in the context of a game. And as an observer, I'm not, I'm not watching training and thinking, oh, if they did that on the first tackle, that would be um, a, a very stupid moment, you know, to kick or to, or to, you know, go for the big dive into the corner when you come in field. And because and, I think even that one was about the second tackle. Um, so, mate, I don't know, were their heads still like in training mode? Were, did we suffer from all the players that have been out injured, the last, the, the late changes that were coming in? Um, oh, it just felt like it, it with the errors, with the things that just didn't happen right. I don't know. It just felt, and the players that had down games, it felt like maybe their heads weren't quite right for the opening round. That's my overall take. Not, not all the players. I'm talking about certain players because again, I'll come back to it. I, the forwards were great. Yeah. Front row, outstanding. Back row, Matt Dury, physical, busy. Uh, obviously, Sean, uh, Sean Lane, Bryce Cartwright did a fantastic job working in relief for Sean Lane and Jermaine Hopgood, yeah, really, really good. Uh, I mean, we were expecting the offloads and the ball playing, but how active his hands are going to the defensive line, if you watch him close, it is fascinating. He, he is threatening to pass like literally a metre from contact and it really allows him to plant that front foot and push through contact. So he's got a really good balance of skills there. And off the bench, you know, we, we didn't really talk about it, but uh, we didn't get a huge impact from there. But I thought Rory McGregor was actually pretty solid working in that first rotation. Um, you know, six runs for nearly 60 metres, uh, which was fine. And then Jack Murchie, probably the pick of the bench players, he got over 100 metres and was pretty heavily involved in the game. Had a couple of, uh, uh, not drops, but near drops on his first couple of touches, but didn't lose the ball, which is the important thing. But yeah, kept himself involved and... Well, 106 run meters, in within that, at um, and then the 30, 30 tackles, tackles, one missed, zero ineffective. So that's 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 the big stat right there. So he certainly did his job, uh, and you know, Wiramu was fine. Jeremiah got thrown into the game, and what was originally originally at the spell, Matt Dury on the right edge, which was interesting in of itself that they they just trusted Bryce to play the full 80 plus. Uh, you know, so that's a, a big tick for Bryce there. But uh, that was sort of both teams had to deal with some uh, curveballs in this game. Obviously, we mentioned that Cameron Munster busted his finger. He came back out after half time, and then they lost uh, Xavier Coates, I believe, in the junior Barlow try. And while the Eels had a couple of concussions in the back line that on the right on their right edge, sorry, that really threw a spanner in the works. First, it was uh, Isaac Lumi Lumi, I believe, and then quickly after that. There was a high shot. I mean, last year this was a Simbin, even not not, not a send off, but it was a Simbin direct force per contact from shoulder to head uh, from Cameron Munster to Will Penasini, which resulted in Penasini taking a concussion test and uh, the Eels getting nothing out of it. Uh, but yeah, so they're both teams dealing with some uh, issues in the back line. Yeah, it was that there's still 
has to be, of course, that credit to the Melbourne Storm. I mean, when when we're talking about definitely the when we're talking about the officiating here, um, it, it's because there were moments that were just like it just wasn't good enough. Um, but it, and yes, it was influential on the game, but the biggest influence on the game were was the performance of of the Eels, which wasn't good enough from um, some key players and with with some um, decision making that wasn't as good as it could be yeah, uh, from the from the effort of the Melbourne players, especially that scramble defense, the way that they just you could see how badly they wanted to keep that record intact and Bellamy his show of emotion at the I mean we know Bellamy shows emotion but his show of emotion was not one of that you normally see of anger um and frustration he was excited yeah when it went up on the big screen his um the reaction to that try in extra time you could it it was almost like his delight that he could if this is going to be his last year coaching and it looks like it is that he carried that record through his career of the storm not losing the opening round i did say in our pre-match podcast that it's a little bit of a stretch because there was a a season there where they had a buy in the opening round and then lost round two so um technically I don't know what that goes down as, but regardless, you can see how much that meant to him. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, just those effort plays from the Storm were just really, really um, impressive. Oh, they, I mean, they had their moments too. This is the this is the frustrating part, is that it, it wasn't a high-class Melbourne performance. It was more an effort-based Melbourne performance. And they were still there to be beaten. Mm. And the Eels will be better. We yeah, know no. that the Eels will be better. There is no way Dylan Brown will ever, ever play a game like that again. I just don't see that that is ever on the cards. And that's the big uh, takeaway, isn't it? Is that, yeah, the Eels were unpolished. They were inefficient, um, even off the good platform, being laid in a, in a really difficult ruck contest. They were still right there to win the game when it was there to be won. And... That's I wouldn't call it a silver lining sixties, but it means that, that we're clearly cooking with something here. Like as bad as we were, we were still right in the midst of, uh, midst of it to win this game, and it means that it's very much a case of onwards and upwards. Yeah, and what we're what we're talking about too. Let's and and I don't mean this by way of any excuse, but there's players for the Eels that came into this game under less than ideal circumstance. Lumi Lumi comes into this game as the fourth to fifth option well, hey, on the wing. you got Russell, Simonson, Hayes Dunster. Uh, so that puts him at, at least at fourth string before you consider any other backline rig jigs if someone else is healthy. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so... Uh, so and and throw in obviously Mike Acevo as the as the first uh, yeah on, on the other on the other so side, he yeah. sits so he sits at number five in the pecking order probably and uh, you know really apart from that that drop 
he had a very, very solid game. You're looking at Mike Acevo being injured in the last latter part of the preseason so that he doesn't get game time and he's and, and he's basically doing rehab for the last month or so of the preseason. You're talking about uh, Wonga Blake, who also, that was a return game where he's had a broken arm through the preseason. Uh, you're talking about Bryce Cartwright, broken jaw. That's his first game coming into it. You're talking about um, new all those new players into the team. So six new players, first game playing for the Eels. It was it was one of those games, as I said, where I had that frustration and the upset that we lost a game that we still should have won. And we will get better. But if two points are there to grab, you've got to grab those two points. And we didn't. And that's just the, there is no way of avoiding that. So, um, mate, the, there's nothing worse than losing a Thursday night or a Friday night to kick off. Lingers all through the weekend. And lingers, yeah. It, it's just, oh. It's the pits. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is that we do have a massive Saturday football ahead of us. All three grades traveling to Canberra to take on the Raiders. In a, pretty much it's the past the halfway point now, and it's a critical game, particularly given that in the uh, Mats and the Tasha Gale, they're taking on uh, teams ahead of them in the rankings, but not so far uh, that you know they can't catch them. And it's a, a great way to swing the ladder here. And in the SG ball, well, it's a shootout for the top. So that's a big one there. So plenty there. And that's also backed into a doubleheader out at Kellyville. We'll be out there to cover this one, mate, where the Eels take on the Raiders in the Jersey Flag and the New South Wales Cup. Get our first look at both those teams. Uh, really keen to see how they go. And hopefully they can be a bit of a power cleanser because, I mean, I say power cleanser. Like I said, it is certainly not all doom and gloom coming out of the loss of the Melbourne Storm. Forwards were outstanding considering the conditions that they were playing and operating in. Uh, and we're going to get some more out of the bench in the coming weeks once we get Madison back and, and you know, players find their feet there. And, yeah, just really your, your playmakers and your finishers, if you just polish up there, Suddenly, this game might have gone closer to the predicted scorelines that we had. Yes, and uh, and and just before we uh, wrap things up, uh, first of all, a thank you to everyone that turned up for the pre-game uh, presentation in the leagues club. We had a, a number of people who uh, are regular listeners who, because of the timing with it being a work day and what have you, weren't really able to get there till the latter part of our podcast. They came over to say g'day. So uh, yeah, thank you to uh, the fellas for doing that. Um, and you even you even had a, a, um, a loyal listener from Newcastle. It, 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 always, it always stuns you, doesn't it, when you just, you, for a little podcast, how much outreach there is across you know, Australia and even the world. You know, we, we've, you know, talk, spoke from Ron from uh, the States and and whatnot. You know, we just a couple of blokes, you know, literally shooting the shit about footy. And it, it is so cool to be able to just meet these people in real life and say hello. Yeah, and we, the what we basically were presenting as a pregame uh, yesterday, it's it, because we weren't doing an instant reaction um we we did record yesterday, but um, it was 
it was probably going to be a bit more value on the back of a win. Um, and uh, we uh, we had a late change where our legend wasn't was required for other duties around the game yesterday and wasn't able to uh, join us for the podcast. So that's why you're not seeing it up there this week. But most weeks we are still going to be a post-match in Jack's Bar and Grill. There will be the occasional time where, depending on the day of the match, the time of the match, where we, we revert to a pre-game just to make it a, a little bit user-friendly in terms of the audience because when we've got extra late finishes on work nights like a Thursday night or coming into a work day is like a work day like a Sunday night, having a late finishing game backed up by an appearance in the club that mightn't start till 10.30 or 11 is not conducive to getting the best uh, results in terms of a, of a live appearance. And the, the, a lot of people, they're just interested, like the footballers, in getting home after the game. So we'll, we, in conjunction with the club, we're adjusting when the podcast is done. But thank you to the people who turned up and we're looking forward to what is going to lie in store for the rest of the season with the podcast. And bear in mind, people, if you're still listening to this right now, as I'm rambling on, that we are looking to make para-leagues, not just the home of the Eels for home games, but also some selected away games. We're looking at some of the interstate games where we do a a live site. So we'll do a bit of pre-game. We watch the game on the big screen and then we do a post-game. So... Keep that in mind as an option for your football experience during 2023. Yes, indeed. And on that note, mate, I think we'll wrap it up. Unfortunate to lose in round one and see that four-year streak inside the top eight come to an end. But that's football. And we move onwards and upwards, have a platform to build from as we move into that round two game against the Cronulla Sharks. And that one's going to be a key, key game. Can't You really can't be starting the season dropping two games in a row so the Eels have to pick up their bundle and build from it but we'll be there to preview it this week or this coming week but before then obviously all those games on Saturday so plenty of coverage plenty of uh, stuff to talk about on to the Cumberland Fro regardless of the loss uh, we'll be there breaking it all down and we'll catch you guys in the next episode Go you Eels <laughs>